The superscription of Psalm 23 states that this psalm was written by David. Before becoming king, his vocation was that of a shepherd. 1 Samuel 16:11. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all the children? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, and behold, he is tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. See, now David knew all too well what it meant to be a shepherd and how sheep tend to act. And so as David posits his relationship with Yahweh, he comes to understand that he is dependent upon God just as his sheep are dependent upon him. And so David penned Psalm 23 as an expose of God as a shepherd. As we work through this psalm, we're going to begin with the provision in verses 1 through 3, the protection in verse 4, the providence in verse 6, and, or verse 5, and the peace in verse 6. So let's begin with verses 1 through 3 and see the shepherd's provision for the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The personal confession with which David begins his meditation here establishes the thesis of his expose. It answers the question, what does it mean for Yahweh to be my shepherd? See, David knew how to care for sheep, and he was able to apply that metaphor to his relationship with God. Also note here the personal pronoun my. See, faith in Yahweh, in God, is not merely tribal or corporate. It's personal. God is known for having personal, intimate relationships with individuals. He was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He was the God of David, and he was as such, as David said, my shepherd. There's the intimacy of that personal relationship. Now, the term shepherd in the Old Testament, is often applied to God. In Psalm 80 and verse 1, give, o, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. So God is referred to as a shepherd. Sometimes the leaders, such as kings, would be referred to as shepherds, or the priests, even the prophets. In fact, in Jeremiah 23 and verse 4, after denouncing the unfaithful shepherds or leaders of his people, God said, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking. In fact, Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd, the messianic king in John chapter 10 and verse 11. And his goodness is seen in his giving of his life for his sheep. So when David called God shepherd, he was acknowledging that God was his king, his leader, his savior, and the one who meets all his needs. Verse 1 concludes with uh, inference here of, I shall not want. That inference there in that simple statement means that every need I have is going to be met by the guiding, providing hand of God. Now how is that going to happen? How does God provide, guide us, meet our needs as a shepherd. First, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. You know, in the, in, in the confusion and rat race of life, sheep that we are 
need rest. God knows that. He desires our rest. That's why he instituted the Sabbath, to guarantee that people would have a day of rest. And if we don't follow God's pattern of taking a rest, then God may have to even force us to rest. Notice that the place of rest is green pastures. The Hebrew word here means fresh shoots. It's fresh grass. God doesn't simply intend for us to rest in a hospital bed. But rather, he wants us to rest where we can be fed or graze and enjoy soft green grass. You know how often, because of the goal-oriented nature of society, because, you know, the, we, we have deadlines and, and pressures and all of that that we, we get so caught up in that we feel guilty when we rest. We need to delight in that rest. Again, this isn't God saying be lazy, but understand God also appointed a time for us not only to work, but to rest. We don't need to feel guilty if we have honestly put in the work to take the time to rest. God gives us that rest. And we need to delight in that time of rest to be in God's presence. Second, not only does he give us green pastures, but he directs us. Notice he leads us beside the still waters. That word lead there actually means to lead to a watering place. A pool of water where the sheep can drink freely. And, you know, again, look at Jesus as our good shepherd. He feeds us with himself because he is the bread which has come down from heaven. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. John six thirty five. Again, he promises, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John seven thirty seven and 38. Also notice here that he directs us because it says he restores our soul. That verb for restore means to return or refresh. He refreshes us. Not merely our body, but our soul, our inner man. Reminds me of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed, refreshed, restored, Day by day. So God promises to meet our needs and guide our lives. David continues, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Paths of righteousness. Now, He leads us into those paths after He restores our souls. But what are those paths? Here's what the path is. Doing the will of God. Manifesting God's rule in our life. Being obedient to Him. Manifesting God's kingdom as we submit to him as our Lord. As Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in heaven and on earth. So we're to be living as kingdom citizens, obeying his commands, following his will and his dictates. But notice we can do that because he feeds us, he gives us drink, and he guides us, and he prepares us for the paths. Now notice in verse 4, we now have the shepherd's protection of the sheep. We have in verses 1 through 3, 
the provision for the sheep. Now we have the shepherd's protection of the sheep. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David turns from the, uh, again, the provision now to the protection. You know, the shepherd, the Lord, protects him from the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of evil and the shadow of his enemies. See, the paths of righteousness don't protect us from the valley. But oftentimes those paths of righteousness take us through the valley. The Lord will lead us through those dark valleys. See, in life, it is the Lord's presence and His presence alone that gives us complete comfort and security no matter what the valley we go through, no matter what fear, no matter what evil besets us. If His presence is with us, He'll guide and guard us through it. Remember when He sent His people from Egypt to the Promised Land, He gave them a guarantee in Exodus 33 verse 14, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. See, the Lord doesn't just give us his presence. He grants us his power. Your rod and your staff comfort me. The rod was a tool used to beat off external enemies, lions, tigers, bears, while the crooked staff snatched the sheep from harm's way. Boy, I'll tell you, we have a great picture here of how God protects us from our own internal enemy, our own foolishness to wander like a dumb sheep. Remember the parable of the lost sheep that Jesus gave in Luke 15, 3-7? How that lost sheep wandered and Jesus says that the shepherd went out and found it and brought it, used the staff to snatch it up off the side of the cliff and then he put it upon his shoulders and he carried it home. That shepherd had the power to save and then restore that sheep. Jesus is that shepherd. He is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. And knowing that our Lord has the power to beat off our enemies should give us great comfort. Knowing that he has a staff that can keep us out of harm's way should give us comfort. And I love John 10, 27, 28. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. See, that's that personal relationship. That's that personal presence. And I give them eternal life. You know, here's the power. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Look at the shepherd's providence for the sheep in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now David kind of changes up the metaphor a little bit here because now he, this isn't just a shepherd. Now he's a shepherd who's also a host. Of a party. So notice that he seats us in the presence of our enemies at his banqueting table. You know, the enemies are all around, but he's going to set us at a table for a feast. And he anoints us with oil as a sign of celebration, and he fills our cups to overflowing. Now, in the New Testament, the banquet table is the sign of salvation, the communion table where Jesus promises to eat and drink with us in the kingdom of God once again, Matthew 26, 29. So every time we partake of the Lord's Supper as a memorial, okay, the Lord's Supper doesn't grant you any special power. The Lord's Supper doesn't grant you some mystical ability to ward off sin. It's a memorial to remind us of 
what Jesus did for us, but also to remind us what he's going to do for us in the future. It points us to the kingdom, the millennial kingdom, when we will enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb, as foretold in Revelation 19, 7-9. That's the table that he has prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. You know, it was that very promise that the, the, the early church had that they would one day partake of that banqueting table that enabled them to withstand with joy the persecution of Rome. Somebody said one time that the early church knew how to outlive their enemies because they knew how to outdie their enemies. That's a great truth that we should consider. You know, could that be said of us today? Could we outlive our enemies because we know how to outdie our enemies? The anointing oil, often used in the scriptures for the Holy Spirit. Remember when Samuel anointed David king over Israel, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The fact that we're anointed with oil means we're anointed with the Holy Spirit. And that full cup, that overflowing cup, is another sign of God's fullness and blessing. This party is a genuine celebration. And then finally, verse 6, we have the shepherd's peace given to the sheep. So we have the shepherd's provision, we have the shepherd's protection, we have the shepherd's providence, and we have the shepherd's peace. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an affirmation. Goodness. This is the fulfillment and perfection of God's will. Mercy is the loving kindness, the covenant love, the redemptive power of God. And so the goodness of God and the love of God are going to follow or pursue David and us as his sheep as well throughout our lifetime. David ends with a final promise. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now here the house of the Lord was the tabernacle. Later it was the temple. For us today the temple not only is our bodies are temples of, of Christ but also we have a spiritual temple in heaven awaiting us in our new Jerusalem. But it's the place where we have direct access into God's presence. Even now, while we're still here on earth, we can boldly come into the presence of God, into his temple. David says he's going to dwell, he's going to remain in God's temple forever. Literally, the Hebrew word for forever is length of days, meaning all the days. See, the Hebrews didn't have a, a word for eternity or a timeless state. They had Endless days, day upon day upon day without end. And here is where David will be before the Lord forever and ever. Psalm 23, what a great psalm. What a psalm of encouragement. Because we have a revelation here of God's provision and protection for his people. We see God's purpose to bring us into his house, into his presence. Not just for today or for tomorrow, but for all time. We see that this shepherd provides us with rest, and he feeds us with himself, and he gives us his spirit to quench our thirst. He renews our soul, he guides our steps. Even in the midst of a fallen and evil world, we have the Lord's power, presence, and protection to be with us at all time. So let us continue to celebrate what our great God has done. Let us praise him for being our shepherd and to be the sheep of his fold. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank and praise you, Lord, that you are the shepherd, that your Son is our great shepherd. 
And Father, the greatest thing he did was to lay down his life for us. I thank you, Father, that today we serve a risen shepherd. And I cannot wait until he appears as the chief shepherd. What a day of rejoicing that will be. So Lord, I pray that we will reflect on this psalm often. That Father, as we go through valleys, whether whatever they may be, whatever shadow of evil may be lurking, that Father, we'll always remember that because you are our shepherd, because your son is our shepherd, that Father, we have your presence, we have your power, we have your protection. That Lord, you have guaranteed that you're going to bring us through it into your presence. And so, Father, with great anticipation, we look forward to that day of rejoicing. Thank you, Father, for the peace that you give, a peace that the world does not understand, a peace that we will more fully enjoy in the day to come. Father, while we yet live in this life, we echo the words of Jesus when he prayed and set the example. We ask that, Father, your kingdom come and that your will would be done, not only in heaven, but on earth. Amen.